0: And welcome to the Matt Watch That podcast, the place for reviews, rants, and randomness. I'm your host, Matt Soroski, filmmaker, film fan. Each episode, I'm going to watch a movie or TV pilot that I probably should have seen but never got around to. It could be a recent favorite, critic's choice, or cult classic. To join in on the conversation, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Matt You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed, or suggestions as to what I should see next, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Before we start, on this episode, we're going to be celebrating National Hispanic Heritage Month and focus on movies, television, and music that feature artists of Spain, Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central and South American descent. According to the hispanicheritagemonth.gov website, the day of September 15th is significant because it's the anniversary of independence for Latin American countries, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and Nicaragua. In addition, Mexico and Chile celebrate their Independence Days on September 16th and September 18th, respectively. But first, and switching gears, I do have a little rant. On the last Matt Forgot That podcast, and if you aren't listening, please subscribe now. It's available on most services and a great compliment to this podcast. But I was talking about the prices of streaming services, and I made the bold declaration that I don't think they'll ever get to the point where they'll be $30, $40, $50 a month even though for the amount of content that they put out, it would still be worth the price, especially if you had to go out and buy on Blu-ray all the movies and TV series available on those platforms. It would still cost less than what it costs per month to watch it on HBO Max or Peacock, etc. But a couple days later, I was reading an article that ESPN announced that they were considering forming a standalone streaming app, which would be different than ESPN Plus. And the monthly rate is in the range of 20 to 35 bucks. If they got 12 million subscribers at $35 per month, that would equal what they're currently making from the cable operators. And people in America love their sports. I wouldn't be surprised if 12 million people shelled out 35 bucks to watch the games. So it only took about 3-4 days to prove me wrong. On to the main attraction. Each review will end with a ranking out of 5 stars. 1 star is Skip It, 2 stars Watch at Your Own Risk, 3 stars Standard Fair, 4 stars Worth Checking Out, and 5 stars Must See. Now, if I give a title five stars, it doesn't mean I'm comparing it to Casablanca, Jaws, or Seinfeld. I rank titles based on other movies or TV series in that genre and at that time period. On this episode of the podcast, I'll be reviewing Hellboy from 2004. It was directed by Guillermo del Toro, who helmed Mimic, Pan's Labyrinth, Pacific Rim, and has won three Academy Awards for Best Achievement in Directing and Motion Picture of the Year for The Shape of Water, and Best Animated Feature Film for Pinocchio. The screenplay was co-written by the director, alongside Peter Briggs, who scribed Thunderbirds Are Go. It was based on the comic book series created by Mike Mignola. It stars Ron Perlman as the titular character. He was born in Washington Heights, New York, whose mom was a municipal worker, and his father was a jazz drummer and television repairman. His dad encouraged him to pursue acting after seeing him in a performance of Guys and Dolls. He graduated with a master's degree in theater arts from the University of Minnesota. After appearing in two episodes of Ryan's Hope, he made his big screen debut in Fantasy Adventure, Quest for Fire, He returned to the airwaves on one-off episodes of The Fall Guy, Miami Vice, and One Life to Live, before being cast as Vincent in Beauty and the Beast, co-starring with The Terminator's Linda Hamilton. In 1989, he won a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series. After three seasons, 55 episodes, Perlman appeared in Sleepwalkers, The Adventures of Huck Finn, and Romeo is Bleeding. He would also lend his voice to animated shows, The Legend of Prince Valiant, Batman the Animated Series, Bonkers, and Animaniacs. With almost 300 acting credits to his name, he is the definition of a working actor. Other career highlights include Looney Tunes Back in Action, Alien Resurrection, Tangled, Drive, Pacific Rim, and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. This is something to look out for, or listen out for. If the voice of Abe Sapien sounds familiar, it was dubbed by David Hyde Pierce, Niles Crane from Frasier. But you won't see his name in the credits as he refused out of respect for Doug Jones, who played the character. So let's jump into it. In 1944, the Germans have a base off the coast of Scotland where for the past five years, they've been researching and constructing a portal under the supervision of Karl Ruprecht Cronin, Hitler's top assassin and head of the Thule Occult Society. Rushing Grigory Efemovich Rasputin, a cult advisor to the Romanovs, attempts to awaken Ogdru Jehad, the seven gods of chaos, to destroy their enemies. Magical things happen, lots of lightning bolts. The Allied forces, led by Sergeant Whitman and counseled by Professor Broom, paranormal advisor to President Roosevelt, interrupts the proceedings and gunfire erupts, destroying the army of Axis powers. After the dust settles, the Allied forces search the area to see if anything came through the portal from hell. Within the rubble is a demon baby with a stone arm. He's adopted by Broom and dubbed Hellboy. Decades later, FBI agent John Myers is a transfer from Quantico to Section 51 of the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense in Newark, New Jersey, where he meets an elderly Professor Broom, who introduces him to Agent Clay and a grown Hellboy. Agent Myers will be his new liaison. Meanwhile, Karl Ruprecht Cronin and protégé Ilsa Helpstein return to resurrect Grigory Efemovich Rasputin and continue their reign of terror. Here's a quote without context. Look at the size of that whammer. Hellboy is a comic book movie with a twist. This was before the genre became mainstream and sanitized for children. It feels inventive and imaginative. That's a credit to the writers and the source material. The opening credits were visually interesting to watch, but also included newspaper clippings and sound bites that give some backstory in pieces. Random Observation When did Baby Ruth become the candy bar of choice to bond strangers together? Anyway, Ron Perlman was perfectly cast in the role. He's a talented actor with classical training, but he has that New York upbringing that gives the character a bit of an edge. Rupert Evans from The Man in the High Castle, balances wonder and confusion as the newbie agent to this world. The rest of the cast includes Doug Jones, Selma Blair, Jeffrey Tambor, and John Hurt. There were good action sequences, nothing too over the top, and they all had some comedy thrown in there. Definitely felt more organic than the standard let's destroy all cities sequences these days. The special effects held up, looked pretty seamless within the environments, But the Hellboy baby appeared very artificial. I would have liked them to see a real puppet controlled by Frank Oz. Similarly, the makeup and costumes were striking. Hellboy and Abe Sapien were inventive in their design. Now I understand all the Shape of Water jokes. It all could have easily been done with CGI, but Del Toro's choice of using prosthetics gave the characters a more realistic and tangible feel. I never felt that I was watching a computer creation. Now for a little trivial trivia. To transform into Hellboy, Ron Perlman worked out five to seven hours almost every day and had to endure four hours of makeup. Hellboy was produced by Lawrence Gordon, Mike Richardson, and Lloyd Levin. It was filmed at Barandoff Studios in Prague. The cinematography was captured by Guillermo Navarro, whose filmography includes Desperado, From Dusk Till Dawn, Spawn, Night at the Museum, Pacific Rim, and won an Academy Award for Best Achievement in Cinematography for Pan's Labyrinth. It was edited by Peter Amundsen, who worked on Daylight, Godzilla, Blade 2*, Sky High, and Pacific Rim. The score was composed by Marco Beltrami, who worked on the music for Scream, Mimic, The Faculty, Resident Evil, 310 to Yuma, and The Hurt Locker. The soundtrack featured songs by Tom Waits, Peter Yorn, Palo Alto, and Vera Lynn. The runtime is two hours, two minutes. It had a budget of $65 million and grossed just shy of $100 million at the box office. It was followed by Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. A reboot starring David Harbour was released in 2019. On the Ski Index, I give it three and a half out of five stars. Add half a star if you haven't reached capacity on your fill of comic book movies. If you've seen Hellboy from 2004 and have opinions on the movie, let me know what you think using the hashtag MattWatchThat. Moving right along, each episode, I'm going to post clips that I think people should watch. It could be movie trailers, music videos, interviews, or something completely random search for my YouTube page and there'll be a playlist called Matt Watch That Playback. If you're a frequent listener of the podcast, you'll know that I like talking about songwriters, especially those who are behind the scenes and create music for other artists. And today, I wanted to discuss Desmond Child. He's a Grammy-winning and Emmy-nominated songwriter and producer of some memorable hits by artists like Aerosmith, Cher, Kiss, Bon Jovi, Alice Cooper, and Ricky Martin. He was born in Gainesville, Florida, and was taught piano by his mother. While in high school, he started his first band, Nightchild. After they split, he formed Desmond Child and Rouge, with Maria Vidal and Diana Grassilli. They were signed to Capitol Records in 1978 and released two albums. The single Our Love is Insane reached number 51 on the Billboard Hot 100, and another song, Last of an Ancient Breed, appeared on the Warriors soundtrack but their albums failed to reach an audience and they broke up in 1980. He decided to focus on songwriting, where he found more success. A few years earlier, he co-wrote I Was Made for Loving You with Paul Stanley and Vinnie Poncia, which became a top 10 hit for Kiss. He was introduced to Bon Jovi and co-wrote four songs on their Slippery When Wet album, including You Give Love a Bad Name and Living on a Prayer. Both would reach number one on the Billboard Hot 100. He would contribute songs on most of their studio albums throughout their career. He worked on Aerosmith's comeback album, Permanent Vacation, and co-wrote Dude Looks Like a Lady and Angel. The partnership would continue on Pump with the song What It Takes and Crazy on their next album Get a Grip. Other hit singles are Just Like Jesse James and We All Sleep Alone by Cher, Poison by Alice Cooper, Kiss the Rain by Billy Myers, and Waking Up in Vegas by Katy Perry. Desmond Child's credits include more than 80 Billboard Top 40 singles. He was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2008. He co-founded the Latin Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2013. I've selected a couple of my favorite tracks. First is I Hate Myself for Loving You by Joan Jett and the Black Hearts, co-written with Joan Jett. Next is in La Vida Loca by Ricky Martin, co-written with Draco Rosa. How Can We Be Lovers by Michael Bolton, co-written with Michael Bolton and Diane Warren, another person featured in my songwriter spotlight. And last, Born to Be My Baby by Bon Jovi, co-written with Jon Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora. Yes, I could have selected Living on a Prayer or You Give Love a Bad Name, but this is actually one of my favorite songs by Bon Jovi. They're all available in the Matt Watch That Playback playlist on YouTube. Check it out. Now it's time for the recommendation. Yes, that's the word recommendation with Matt in the middle. I'm going to end each podcast with my own recommendation of a movie or TV series. Today I'm talking about Devious Maids. Created by Mark Cherry, who worked on The Golden Girls. It's spin-off The Golden Palace, The Five Mrs. Buchanans and Desperate Housewives. It's based on the Mexican series Elías on La Alegria del Hogar. It's executive produced by Eva Longoria. It tells the story of Marisol Suarez, an English professor who goes undercover as a maid for an affluent family in Beverly Hills to clear her son's name. He's been accused of murdering fellow houseworker Flora Hernandez, and to prove his innocence, she must investigate the associates and neighbors by befriending them. This includes undocumented immigrant from Mexico, Rosie Falta, who works for the Westmore family, aspiring singer Carmen Luna, and Zoila Diaz, the protective mother of Valentina. It stars Anna Ortiz of Ugly Betty fame, Danny Ramirez from Heroes and Once Upon a Time, Rosalind Sanchez, known for Without a Trace, and Judy Reyes of Scrubs and Claws. It also features Eddie Ganim, Rebecca Wisaki, Tom Irwin, Grant Show, and All My Children alum, Susan Lucci. The concept feels like a spiritual successor to Desperate Housewives, which isn't surprising since both were created by Mark Cherry. Similarly, it carries the themes of secrets and lies. Each season has its own mystery story arc. It did get some flack upon its debut for the stereotypical roles that the main characters play, but each woman is ambitious, entertaining, and their relationships drive the series. It's easy to root for them because of how engaging they are, so a lot of that criticism went by the wayside once the show debuted. However, the rich families do fall into cliches of being vapid, one-dimensional, and only caring about material possessions. It might be true, but it's a little over the top with some of the actors. But hell, I don't know rich people, they may actually be this way. I haven't gotten through the entire series, but since it did get cancelled, be prepared for unanswered questions, which is a shame because it's been an enjoyable watch so far. Devious Maids was on for four seasons, 49 episodes from 2013 to 2016. That's all for this edition of Matt Watch That. Thanks for listening to me babble. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Matt Sarosky. You can subscribe to my YouTube page where I'll post videos and clips from the show. If you have any opinions on what I've discussed or suggestions as to what movie or TV pilot I should see, use the hashtag MattWatchThat on social. Head over to MattSarosky.com for the latest news and updates, and come back next time for the reviews, rants, and randomness. If they had 12 million subscribers at 35 ducks, 35 ducks. Desmond Child's credits include more than 80 Billboard Top 100. It's based on the Mexican series, Elías Sona La Yep, no, I wasn't getting through that.